I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy Hamble out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's kicked the goal from inside the centre. I can't believe that. Boyd has kicked the goal. Yes, hello guys. Welcome to the SC Playbook podcast for round 21 of the 2022 AFL season. My name is Eddie Dads. Um, this podcast is proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. Uh, the boys have been supporting us all season. We want to give them a shout out as well. Um, we're here to run you through all things Supercoach for one of the last weeks of the Supercoach season. It's coming up quickly. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the Supercoach world. There's heaps to talk about as always. Uh, joining me on the other line is a rather sick and sorry looking Charlie Dads who appears to have just woken up. Charlie, how are you tracking this morning? Hey Eddie, I'm alright. Um, had some uni assignments that I had to to get through last night, and um, just kind of getting uh, underway with the weekly wrap. But I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Sunny Vancouver is treating me quite nicely, though it won't stop being too hot though over here, which is starting to get on my gears a little bit. 31 degrees every day for like the last 14 days, and there's no aircon and nothing, so everyone is absolutely sweating their tits off over here. It's no good. Oh, how are you coping with with hot weather? <laughs> Not good. I'm not good with it at the best of times, and especially when there's no aircon to to smash through. So, as you'll notice, I've got the fan next to me over here. Um, that is giving me some good air coming through. But let's get into the Supercoach stuff. Um, how did you go over the weekend? What was what was Charlie's um, what was Charlie's team like? Uh, what were you happy about? What were you unhappy about? I had a shocking week. I um I scored a, a two thousand three hundred twenty-seven, uh, which. Uh, Moved me down only 590 rankings. I think at this stage of the year, it's very hard to move up or down. Um, you kind of need to have a big week or a really, really bad week to see any noticeable change in ranking. Um, but yeah, that was me. So I'm sitting at 7,833rd at the moment. Not bad. Um, you've been climbing the ranks steadily. I, I was thought what you just said then about not being able to climb ranks and it was going to be really hard. I'd I thought similarly until this week um, when I scored 2557, um, which was 417th best score for the round, vaulted me up 220 ranking spots up to 268th overall. So I was kind of thinking that the the, uh, the top 250 and the top 200 were, were a pipe dream, um, but suddenly they're back on the radar. I think I'm about 15 points back from the top 250 and about 200 back from the top 100. So with three rounds yeah. to go, um, with a trade up my sleeve, um, with good coverage on every line, uh, I'm starting to feel pretty confident, um, which is which is a nice place to be. Um, it was one of those weekends, yeah. When uh, we got the obviously got the Canelio news really late <clears throat> before the game on Saturday, um, and it was one of those ones I was actually kind of happy with, which is weird. Um, not often that you're happy when a player is going to miss that's in your team, but um, I've set up my team so that I've got a heap of coverage um, from the rookies on my bench. So I've got Cully, Hollands, Hobbs. 
who can all rotate through that um, that last F6 spot or M- M8 if needed. I've got Ware and D'Ambrosio in on the bench in my back line. And I've got Mitch Owens, who who came in and punched out a 67, um, surprisingly. So coverage is good. I um, was able to loop Cully and Hobbs. Uh, Cully obviously scored terribly, um, which meant I put Hobbs onto the field and gained an extra um, few points that way. So, yeah, a lot of, lot of good times for me over the weekend. Took's captaincy was awesome. Um, really enjoyed watching him go about it on Sunday Arvo. Uh, the only downside for me was not owning Zach Merritt. Um, that would that really hurt having to watch him go through that. You're a Merritt owner, aren't you? Uh, no, I'm not. That well, that, this hurt me even more because that's the player that I chose Guthrie over. That's right. Um, at at half time, I was sitting pretty comfy. I reckon he only had probably 12 touches, maybe if that. Um, second half pumped out 26 touches, nine tackles eight marks, a goal. Um, I don't know his exact super coach second half score, but I know for AFL Fantasy, he had a 135 point second half, which is unheard yeah. of. Uh, it was because I, I was up, that, that game was on at about 1am uh, Vancouver time. So I was up watching it, Bombers fan, went to bed at half time, knowing we were going to win, we were going to pump North easily. Merritt was on like 40 points at half time. I was like, here we go. Like, I know yeah. I'm going to move up. I'm having a great week anyway. If Merritt can, if Merritt can score sort of 75 or something, um, I could be anywhere because I think that was the that was the crucial pod that I didn't have on that Sunday. Yeah, yeah he just went ballistic in that second half. It was uh, it was tough to watch. Um, a yeah. few other good performers for me. Jordan Dawson always continues to be excellent. Uh, Rory Laird, one four four, absolute gun. Andrew Brayshaw, thank God for that one three eight. Um, Cripps one four six. Rowan Marshall, 173. Did you end up bringing in Marshall um, over the last couple of weeks? No, I didn't. I didn't. And uh, I mean, probably on Thursday, I was I was pretty content with not bringing him in with the news that Tom Campbell was um, mm. was coming to the side. But uh, yeah, was he a laid out? He was a laid out, yeah. they secure, I think Brett Ratton admitted that they were sort of playing funny buggers there. They were just trying to mess with Hawthorne a little bit, thinking they'd played two Ruckman. Um, and instead, yeah, Jen up dropping Campbell at the last minute and letting Romar go at it himself. Yeah, so he was unstoppable um, against a, a Hawks. Um, Ruck duo that isn't really that mobile across the ground. Rowan Marshall picked up 30 touches um, alongside his 38 hitouts, I think. So he played brilliantly. He was amazing. One one that uh, let me down a little bit. Who's had a who's had a rough couple of weeks is Tim English, um, who now has a three round average of eighty four, five round average of ninety two. So I think we all thought that he was going to be that primary F one option. Um, it's kind of not looking like that anymore. Did you happen to catch the Bulldogs game? And did you see what happened with English? Um, is he carrying some sort of injury? Is he just out of form? What's going on? No, I didn't watch it. I was keeping a close eye on the scores though because um, I wanted them to get the win over the Cats. Uh, Tim English, he didn't have Stefan Stefan Martin in the side. Um, he didn't really have any secondary ruck. I don't think it was taking major minutes off him or anything. Um, he just, he must have been a bit out of it. I don't know. Ever since, ever since round eighteen with his fifty one, yes, he scored one hundred and twenty two last week. But yeah, he just he doesn't seem like the the Tim English that we um we got to know and love at the start of the year. No, he definitely doesn't. Um, speaking of players out of form, uh, I'm, we're going to talk a lot about him later because I'm absolutely sick to death of him. Jack Crisp um, had another 60-odd. Um, it's just not its not working having him at, at D6. I think he needs to be moved on, um, even if it's at the risk of, of running into one last trade, using uh, using my last trade to get rid of him. I'm, I'm just sick of having to watch him put, that, put up that week in, week out when we all thought he was going to be one of the breakout stars. 
of the season. How did you deal with the the Canelio late out? What was your what was your thought process when you saw that, and, and what did you end up going with? Uh, it was like one of those things where I don't know to you know you just see it and you you know that you want to do so much about it, but there's not a lot you can do. <laughs> I had on the bench. It was like witnessing a car crash. You just see it happening and you just, you can't stop it. So Durden on the bench was my only option that I could have um, used as emergency. Uh, he scored a one. So <laughs> I was really just better off not having anyone. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't reverse my trades as well. They were, they were already locked out. Um, it was, it was disastrous. I just had to accept it and, and move on. What, what trades did you end up going with? Um, I, I went, uh, oh, I went George Hewitt to Tom Stewart. Okay. Um, yeah. That was a, that was a common trade. I did that too, actually. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, in hindsight, I kind of wish I just kept Hewitt. Um, but there is no certainty that he's back this week. So I don't know. No. That, that was probably the last trade to make. Well, that's a good place to, to get into, um, uh, into the, the big topics for the week. Um, and a, a good place to start is with injury chat. Um, we uh, we want to know how some of these guys are tracking. George Hewitt in particular is one that has sort of divided the Supercoach world. Um, I was hell-bent on holding him, and then it sort of came out that Michael Voss wasn't sure he was going to be back for round 21 either. Um, I ended up trading him last week. I think most coaches that had trades up their sleeve would have gotten rid of him by now. Um, a two-week injury is uh, is not ideal. So what can you tell us about where George Hewitt is at at the moment? I think he's still I, – I don't think he did um, anything over the weekend. I don't think he even did the captain's run. Um, I'm just trying to find some more info out now. Um, he uh, – yeah, I actually I can't see can't see any info on him. Um, I think it, it was just a, a purely managed weekend um, from all accounts. He didn't do anything, um, probably got in the pool a little bit, but it's just like with a back injury, you can't do too much. You kind of just have to sit and wait it out. That's right. Um, I think, yeah, from what we heard later in the week, um, I think it's going to be, yeah, it doesn't sound like he, he's he's going to play this week. Um, it's a minor issue. It's a minor, I think it's a bulging disc issue or something. Um, he also had that injury a couple of years ago, so I think they're being really cautious with it. Um, the, the fact is, though, Carlton kind of need him back. Um, we keep saying this. They're going to try and bring him back in. Um, I just don't think, yeah, it, it, it's one of those injuries because he's had it before. Uh, I'd be really worried if I was still holding him and I'm glad that I'm not holding him. Uh, it takes a bit yeah. of pressure off. Um, but yeah, I've, I've also had a look on Twitter. There doesn't seem to be anything that's come out recently since since late last week. Uh, so we're just going to have to wait and see with that one. Um, if you are holding George, uh, you've probably, if you've already held him for these two weeks and you've, and you've been holding the trade, um, I think you've probably got to continue doing that. If it's one more week, so be it. Um, but yeah, I think I think you've now you've made, now made your bed and you kind of have to lie in it a little bit with Hewitt. Uh, the next one I wanted to talk about was Adam Trelaw. Where where is he at? Um, so Bevo seemed pretty optimistic. Um, thought that he might have been a chance to play, but obviously did take note of uh, of the ongoing calf niggle um, that had been causing him a bit of pain for the last couple of weeks. He's been subbed off a couple of times. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, he got too much last week. Um, Bevo seemed to think he'd be okay at our main session. Uh, this was probably on Wednesday last week, um, yeah. but just didn't get through it. So he said that it, it wouldn't surprise him if he missed another one. Um, 
So he could be out again for this week. It just seems very up in the air. If he doesn't play this week, he'll play the week after, I reckon. Yeah, it's it's we're getting some really conflicting information about this one, so it's hard to sort of tell. Um, yeah, Bevo seems to be saying two things at once there that he's doing well, but also he's a big chance to miss next week. I know for a mm. fact that he yeah he trained in the main session on Wednesday and looked fine, um, and there were reports that he was going to play on Saturday night against Geelong. Uh, didn't get through it. Didn't get through that session without a little niggle in his calf, uh, and he's gonna he missed last week. And yeah, from what Bevo says, it wouldn't be a surprise if he misses this week as well, which is not good if you're holding him. Um, what about Jai Cully? It was a it was not the greatest of uh, of bubble games for Jai Cully. Um, he, yeah. he he stuck out an elbow and, and nearly knocked someone out, and then did a hammy and was and was subbed off. So there are going to be coaches sort of relying on him over the next couple of weeks. And what can you tell me about Cully? Yeah, well, I mean, if he if his hamstring's fine, that's completely irrelevant because he's going to miss probably the next two weeks anyway. I would think that 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 elbow to the face was. Honestly, probably one of the dirtiest things I've seen this year, I reckon. That was, oh, for a third gamer, like, pull your head in a little bit. That yeah. was terrible. Yeah, it wasn't so, good, was it? It was It was a long way off the ball. It was elbow raised. Um, it was pretty bad from where I was standing. I don't know. He could get anywhere from one week to four weeks. Um, but, yeah, I think he's definitely going to miss at least a couple. So whether it's with that or from the hamstring injury, um, yeah, they don't seem to know the hamstring injury yet. And we also haven't heard the match review panel's decision on his suspension as we go to air with this podcast. Um, but yeah, uh, you can you can be pretty safe that with either the hamstring or the suspension that Jai Cully is probably going to miss at least two, you'd have to think. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, but he does have a history of injury. Dylan brought that up in our SE um, Playbook Messenger group chat. Do you know what that history was with? Was it with the hammy or was it with the shoulder? Because he does have that taped up. I think it's the shoulder. I think he's had he's had very yeah. dodgy shoulders. Um, that might have been what prevented him in his draft year from getting picked up. Uh, I'm 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 spitballing a little bit, but that's that was what I the impression I had. Um, so at yeah. least it's not a soft tissue thing, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, um, still not good. Um, next one I want to ask you about is uh, your actual boy Corey Durden, who is somehow still in five percent of teams, of which you're yeah. one of them. Um, what did he do on the weekend and, and what's his prognosis? I think he just had a little niggle um, on his shoulder. I don't think it was uh, anything too serious. I don't think he dislocated it or anything. Um, might have been an AC joint injury, um, but it was certainly enough to for him to be subbed out. Um, and I would imagine he miss, misses this week. Especially given he's on the fringe of the team anyway. Um, I think he's probably not a, not a walk-up starter at this point, so... Yeah, he will probably miss this week if they're being cautious. Uh, next one is Bontempelli, who looked really, really sore at the end of the uh, the Bulldogs-Geelong game. Um, is this anything to worry about, or is it, was it just a corky? No, nothing to worry about here. Um, it's Bontempelli. He's tough. He'll carry on. It was a corky. Uh, it was a, a, a bad quad corky, um, and that's probably why he spent the last quarter forward, but He's the heart and soul of the team. Um, he will be doing everything he can to get them into the top eight. I don't think he's going to miss a week for a corky. No, I'd be surprised as well. Um, he's one of those guys that, worst case, they strap it up and send him forward. Um, I don't think I don't think he'll miss this week. Having said that, been wrong before. He did look really, really sore. I think it was more of a hip corky than a quad corky, uh, which is never mm. good. The higher those sort of corkies get, um, the more the more dangerous they can be because I think it restricts your, your sort of your leg movement and your hip movement. So. 
hopefully he's okay. We'll have to keep an eye on that one. Um, again, that could be uh, that could be not great for coaches who don't have much bench cover in the forward line. Um, Canelio, where are we at with Canelio? Because that news sort of came out of nowhere. I don't think anyone had been even discussing him missing on the weekend. It turned out he about probably an hour before the game, we found out he was going to be a laid out. Uh, what was going on there? Yeah, I, it was just soreness um, through training. So GWS were doing everything they could to try and get him ready to play. Um, but yeah, inevitably he just wasn't wasn't up to scratch. But I I, I'm not worried at all. I think the fact that they waited until an hour before the game is a good sign for us. I think it means that he was very, very close to playing, but just wasn't quite ready. Um, Joe McVeigh, oh sorry, Mark McVeigh um, has said that he'll be right to go next week. Just needs a couple yeah. more days, um, just to nurse it, and then yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, he's, we've been very lucky with Cornelio this year. I think this that would have to be that would have been the first game he's actually missed all season. So um, he's had a great run with injuries. Yeah, it's it's round twenty. He's he's going to be quite sore. He's been carrying a load in the midfield that he hasn't really had over the last couple of years. He's been back in the gut. So not surprised that he did miss a game. Um, it's unfortunate that it came um, at the last second. I don't really like when teams do that, as no one seems to. But uh, yeah, they, it is their right to withdraw him late. Um, yeah, you're right. It does sound like he'll be back next week. The last one I want to ask you about uh, is Brody Grundy, uh, who is still sort of waiting in the wings for Collingwood, a Collingwood team that somehow just keep pulling irons out of the fire. Um, Darcy Cameron was actually a lot better on the weekend. That was a, a nice mm. little bounce back game from him, 113 super coach. Um, yeah, so what's what? It, obviously, Grundy is very important to, to Cameron's future prospects if he's still holding Cameron. So where are we at with Grundy? Yeah, well, I, I just think the fact that um, Cameron played so well would kind of mean that the Collingwood coaching staff don't need to rush Brody Grundy back as much. Um, certainly, if you're going off the performance two weeks ago, Grundy would have been a lock to return if he was fit. But I, I, I just don't think they'll take any um, any unnecessary risk with bringing Grundy back. He played in the VFL on Saturday, which was a good sign. Um, McRae said that he took a big step forward. That's always great to see. Um, and he played three quarters in that. So, May, I, I, I don't think he'll come back into the AFL this week. I think they'll probably wait for him to play a full quarter VFM. Yeah, I reckon. I mean, what's the point? You know, the Collingwood are, are virtually locked in for top four now um, until the, the finals. I, I would think that they just wait. Give it another week, I reckon. Big game against Melbourne on Friday night. Melbourne Melbourne contending for one of those top four spots. Max Gorn, Luke yeah. Jackson. What, I would, I, I'd be surprised. I think that's probably what the plan was, is to bring him back for this Friday night, only playing the three quarters in the VFL and, and let him loose on, on Melbourne on Friday night. It's going to be a cracking matchup. Would they not want a match fit, though, like fully match fit? Well, obviously they wouldn't play him if he wasn't, but I think that's also the beauty of having um, Cameron and Cox in the team as well. Is that he doesn't need to be he doesn't need to be one hundred and ten percent Grundy. He can he can be at seventy five, and then and then the other boys can chop him out in the ruck, and he can go forward or he can come off the bench. Um, yeah, I, I think I personally think Grundy will be back. I think it'd be silly not to bring him back for Friday night because Gordon Jackson will absolutely murder Cox and and Cameron. So I'd Ooh. be surprised if Grundy isn't back. Um, now we're about to discuss, discuss trades for this week, but. Um, how well do you know your numbers outside of Supercoach? With interest rates going up at the moment, it might be time to finally trade banks, banks and save yourself a bit of cash. Don't know where to start? Shoot Pat and George, mortgage choice, all one word, a message on Instagram or give them a call on 02-9521-1611. Mention the SC Playbook podcast and the boys will take care of the rest. Uh, they've been great supporters of us this season. So if you do need anything 
mortgage related, uh, please reach out to the boys at um, at Mortgage Choice. At mortgage They'd be fantastic. Uh, next topic I want to get on to, Charlie, is trade chat. So not many trades left this season, obviously. Um, I'm down to one. How many are you down to? Oh, I've got a big fat zero. Okay, interesting. So you're going to have to be helping me out for this segment more than uh, more than me helping you out. Uh, but it's I, I would say it, it'd be interesting to know, actually. I wonder if anyone can, can um, find out for us what the percentage of, of coaches are that have more than one trade, more than zero trades left, and how many coaches have zero trades left. I think it'd be about... 50-50, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, I would think so. I, I think anywhere from zero to two um, would be the most common bracket at this stage of the season. Yeah, agreed. Um, well, we've only got three weeks left. So here, here we go with a couple of questions that I want to ask you. For, let's assume that you've got one, at least one trade left. Um, I want to go through a couple of little questions. Rowan Marshall, firstly, um, do you chase the score with Marshall? If you missed out on him, do you chase the score with him and... and Look at that 173 and go, this is what this guy can do. This is why everyone's brought him in. When he rucks solo, he's monstrous. He's fantastic. He's one of the better super coach rucks in the, in the game. I've got to get him into my side. Uh, make way Tim English or Darcy Cameron or whoever. I'm getting Rowan Marshall in. Or, are you, or, or does it feel a bit like you're, you're closing the gate after the horse has bolted there and, and you already missed out on that big score? No, you, you haven't missed out at all. Um, yeah, now is the time to buy. I think probably anything after this week, uh, you might be chasing a little bit too much. But with a broken even of 121, he only went up 29K last week. He's still down 55K from um, his original starting price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, coming off a, a massive 173, um, and he plays Geelong, Brisbane, and Sydney in his next yeah. three, which, um, you know, that they're not they're not really recognised Ruckman. Oscar McInerney definitely is. But then, yeah, Geelong, you've got Reece Stanley and Mark Blitzarves, and then Sydney, you've got, Oh, who Sam Reed is probably their key in the right at the moment. Yeah, Toby. Uh, yeah. yeah, they had who? Who was the reckon that went down? I'm blanking on his name. Curly hair, um, former and, West uh, Coast Eagles. Yeah, Tom Hickey. Tom Hickey. Yes, of course. I think yeah. Hickey read, went down on the weekend. Um, not sure what's the matter with him and what his prognosis is, but yeah, um, I think it's fair to say that uh, that Rowan Marshall has a pretty good run home. Um, yeah. Mm. What well, if you if you had a trade left, would you be bringing him in? Yeah, for sure. Because yeah, he's still cheap as well. He's um four hundred and eighty K. Um so you could I mean Wits has been very, very underwhelming in the last couple of weeks. That's a straight swap. And True. if you had if you had two trades, um if you had two trades left and you've got money in the bank, you can straight swap Wits to Marshall and use that money to upgrade another player. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. Um, I'm glad that I brought in Marshall. Um, does does the Tom Campbell piece of this worry you? Um, what what like what the hell was going on? Why did they even think about bringing him in? Uh, bring him in if that's what Marshall can do by himself. Why was Campbell even in the twenty three to start with? Yeah, I mean, as you said before, like it, it might have just been mind games, um, trying to mess with with Hawthorne. Um, it clearly worked. You know, Saints got the win. But I think I think the coaching staff will look at Marshall and they'll see his thirty touches and thirty eight hitouts and the monstrous performance that he had, and they'll realise that they don't actually need a second ruckman. Um, why would you if you, if your number one ruckman's pumping out that? Why like why do you need support? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I just yeah, it just worries me that that really does worry me because we saw. I mean, we've seen all season that Marshall. Isn't isn't a number one ruck? Sorry, isn't a super coach number one ruck when he's got someone there taking minutes off him? 
when he doesn't when he when he's free to roam, he's he's potentially the best ruck in the competition when it comes to Supercoach. Um, but yeah, I'm worried about the Tom Campbell piece of it. I, again, like you say, all the evidence points to them not bringing back in Tom Campbell because he was so dominant um, without him. But yeah, it does worry me slightly. Uh, the next I one I want to ask you about is Harry Himmelberg because I know a lot of coaches did Cornelio to Himmelberg this week. It was a, was a popular late trade. Um, I know our good friend Klopp um, brought in uh, Hewitt, uh, traded Hewitt to Himmelberg last week. Um, it was, he's been a very popular player here in Berg. He's, he's, his ownership is skyrocketing. Um, in one, of, uh, I think that's probably going to be the most unexpected super coach storyline of the season is Harry Himmelberg becoming a, uh, a premium forward slash defender. He's in 9% of teams. Um, he scored just 74 on the weekend. Um, what was going on with the role? What did you see? Uh, talk to me about, about what his prospects are moving forward. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not too worried. I, I think he, he definitely started down forward. Um, he hit the first goal of the match. I think, yeah, he did. Um, but then after half time, he moved back. Um, so he moved back to his his regular role. However, um, and I'll have to give myself a little plug here in my Tag Watch article throughout the week. Harry Himmelberg was the first name in the article. I said Ryan Clark has been going to rebounding halfbacks in previous weeks. It's a big if, but it's definitely a possibility. And um, that's when Ryan Clark went to him after halftime, after he made the switch back to defence, um, he was worn like a glove. I didn't think it was possible. Ryan Clark's a pretty pretty small guy and Harry Himmelberg is very large, but it worked. Um, it clearly worked. Yeah, Harry Himmelberg only finishing on 74, which is probably his worst score in a long time, I reckon. Yeah, it was not great. Um, I think, yeah, you could kind of tell you can kind of tell. I mean, that there was there was a, a worry with with some of the GWS team selection um, choices going into this game. Uh, Riccardi, Sproul, and Briggs were all out with Lee Lear in, um, which kind mm. of pointed to the fact that they were going to have some issues filling that that tall forward role, which is what Himmelberg ended up playing in that first half. Um, yeah, you can't. The, the problem with Himmelberg and the problem GWS have is it's almost robbing Peter to pay Paul to put Himmelberg forward because uh, sorry to put Himmelberg back. Because it's not really, it's not really that rebounding defensive role that is their problem. They have so many players that play that that can play that role. You know, your Whitfields, your Hayneses, um, all those guys back there that can play that role. What they need is a key forward who can lead up and and be that link man in between forward, in between wing and forward line, which is what Himmelberg really does well. Uh, mm. It just worries me. I, I'm I, I don't I know it's great for our super coach, and I know he looks br- I know he looks brilliant back there, and he's been fantastic. But I just worry that it's that it's not sustainable for from a GWS team chemistry makeup standpoint. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, this week was definitely different though. Like it was the Sydney derby. Um, Riccardi was out of the team. When when Riccardi comes back, he'll he'll move straight into that leading full forward role again. Um, I wouldn't. I, uh, I mean, I can't do anything about it because I've got no trades left. But even <laughs> even if I did have trades left, I don't think. I don't think I'd be too stressed at the moment. All in all, yeah. he was tagged. I think I think I'll just leave it at that. He like he was tagged. Okay, uh, so it was a mixture of tag and role. You think it wasn't purely role based? No, no, not at all. No, I mean, he, yeah, he he made the switch at halftime, um, and yeah, that's when he started getting tagged. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's yeah, it's one to watch for sure. I definitely wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be stoked if I was an owner, but I also wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be completely panicking just yet. I mean, it's it's close, but I wouldn't be panicking just yet. Um, 
The next little topic I want to get to with trades is, and this is because I have one trade left, and I want to know I want to know what your thoughts are and how to how to use it. So I've, I've asked you pre-podcast just for for the one guy in each line, so defense, midfield, ruck, forward, that you would bring in if you were making your last trade, and you, and that money wasn't an issue, which is essentially where I'm on the position that I'm in at the moment. I've got one trade left, and I've got about 170 grand. Um, so I can basically do any kind of upgrade. I can get rid of Crisp. I can get rid of English. I can get rid of whoever I want. I think I'm going to use it this week. Uh, I want to. I want to. I want to make that little push into the top 250. I've got good coverage, as we spoke about, um, and I just want to know for each line, who is the one guy that you would go to um, with if you're in my position and you had that one trade left and you can afford anybody. Um, so the first uh, line we want to go with is the defensive line. Um, who sort of sticks out to you here? Who's going to be really good over these last three games? Is this just for you, or is this for everyone in general? Everyone in general, but I also want specific advice for me. <laughs> okay, well, I'll start with everyone in general, but Tom Stewart is yeah. uh, by far the number one option. Um, yeah, agreed. If you didn't think about last week, that's fine. He only went up 17K, um, but he returned from his, his six-week layoff with a with a 112, um, and he plays St Kilda, Gold Coast, and West Coast in his next mm. three, which you'd think he would absolutely dominate in. Um yeah, his last game against St Kilda this year, he had a one thirteen um, against Gold Coast. He's got a pretty good record. He's got an average of what's that? Probably ninety two in his last three against them, and then and West Coast obviously speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, he's the number one option for sure. Great, I love it. That was so I've already got him, which is awesome. Um, I'm because of that, I'm sort of leaning in slightly a different direction with this question, and I'm kind of tossing up two guys at the moment. The first one is uh, is Mason Redmond. Now, Red Dog, as a Bomber supporter, has been absolutely unbelievable this season. This has been um, one of the highlights of the season for me, along with a couple of other little Nick Martin sort of things. You're seeing, you're seeing Mason Redmond explode like this. And I think on, on the weekend was really the culmination of that. His second quarter was uh, was mind-blowingly good. He, he's really he's taken that step and become not only an elite rebounding defender, but he's also now an elite defender as well. Like, he's really good in the air. He's tough as nails. He was in hospital for, with internal bleeding at the start of this week, and somehow turned around and, and pumped out that performance. So he's the first one that's on my list. Um, I'm worried that teams are going to start locking him down just because how uh, effectual he's been. Um, but I, I think he's, he's a good enough player to get through that. He was he was just he was 176 in the weekend. It was unbelievable. I'm telling you, the goal from outside 50. He went at 96 disposal efficiency um, for, with his 32 touches, which is mind blowing. Um, he's an he's a great player. So he's option one. The second option, um, and it comes on the back of some comments from from Simon Goodwin um, after the game on the weekend, uh, and that's Angus Brayshaw. Um, yeah. played, he's been playing a lot in the midfield recently. Um, he's played, I think, probably his last two games, he spent a lot of time in the midfield. We know what he can do there. He nearly won a Brownlow medal from the midfield, for God's sake. He's he's a great he's a great midfielder. He's just been playing that sort of wing half-back role. Uh, and he's another one that, I, that I'm really tossing up. So what do you think of those two options? Yeah, well, Mason Redmond, first of all, um, yeah, anytime someone gets a 176, you've got to take notice of that. He's been unreal for the Bombers. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you discount his score last week, his 49, he was subbed off injured and, and looked pretty sore. He hasn't dropped below 100 since round 14. And before that, in round 13, he had a 99. And before that, he had a 113. He's been in some ripping form. Yeah, um, Angus Brayshaw, yeah, as soon as I saw him... Um, starting on ball, playing on ball minutes, um, I was captivated. I wanted every piece of that, and I still do. 
Yeah. Um, he had he had twelve CBAs. Um, the most for Melbourne was twenty with Oliver. Um, but it looks like he was almost in that first choice midfield. It, it went Oliver twenty, Viney fifteen, Petrarca twelve, and then Brayshaw twelve. Yeah, interesting. Um, so he's just about there. He's on the fringe of of being that that um that first rotation. I really like that. Uh, I feel like throughout the rest of the season, they'll probably train him up a little bit more. He might see um, some more CBAs every game, uh, week in, week out. They might keep adding up. Um, uh, yeah, I really want him. Why the hell haven't they been playing him in the midfield for the last three seasons? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Because that the, the year that he played midfield, was that when he was coming back from concussion and he was really cheap? I think it was the year it was, before that. It was it was the year before that he played midfield that he like nearly won nearly won the Brownlow as a twenty one year old or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's a gun. Uh, it's, yeah, for sure. That's that. I, I think he's where I'm leaning at the moment. I like I like his ceiling. I, I like Redmond's ceiling too. But I, I almost think that we, we haven't really seen Redmond um, cop attention yet. It's not. I think other teams haven't really caught on to how valuable he is. So I wouldn't be surprised if you get the likes of Brian Clark. You know, I'm not sure. I don't know what the Bombers' run home is, but. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some attention in, in the coming weeks. So I'm sort of leaning towards Brayshaw. I think all three of those options are fantastic um, for your last defensive spot. Is there anyone we anyone we haven't chatted about that you wanted to have a chat about there? I mean, Tom Barris is is averaging 130 over the last three rounds. Um, Luke yeah. Ryan, Luke Ryan's averaging 122. Um, Ed Richards, Kadeen Coleman, he's been fantastic. Any of those guys, or or is it are those three sort of the top options for you? Um, oh, it's all just dependent on on how much money you can grab um, with your last trade. If you're a bit strapped for cash, you could look at Robbie Fox from the Swans. He's at 456k, and in his last three games, he scored 135, 92, and 95, and he plays North Melbourne this week. Um, that could be a, a little budget option um, if you're keen for it. I think the of the more of the budget option I like better is Kitty Coleman at four ninety eight k. He was a star. He is a star. But he was brilliant on the weekend. And he's gone one eighteen, one nineteen, one oh five in his last three. So um, that boy can play for sure. Uh, next yeah. next line that I want to talk to you about. I think um, Paddy Cripps has taken himself off the uh, the chopping block for the for the time being with his performance on the weekend. I think I saw somewhere he's averaging like one hundred and thirty eight this year without George Hewitt in the team, which is uh, which is pretty wild. Um, but if you've got one trade left and you need you need to upgrade someone in your midfield. Uh, who are you going to? Who's the one player that you think is, is going to star over these last few rounds? Okay, I'll, I'll try and go a bit rogue here and try and pick someone that you don't have. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, here we go. Zach Merritt. Yeah, no, I mean, he's the obvious him. one. He is the obvious answer, isn't he? Yeah, he's honestly, he's up there with Laird at the moment um, in terms of his last month of footy. Yeah. he's uh, He hasn't dropped below 130 since round 16, and he's got three 140-plus scores. Yeah, um, that's that's virtually. If I take a look at Laird's scores, Laird in the it's past similar. month since round sixteen, it's very similar. Yeah, yeah, it's very similar. Laird's gone. Laird's scored one thirty, one twenty five, one fifty four, one forty, and one forty four. Which, uh, yeah, I think you can probably pocket the extra fifty k and just go merit instead. Yeah, I think merit is the obvious answer to this question. If you don't have merit and you and you are looking up looking to make that final upgrade in your midfield, um, there are a few other options though. The one that that has been tickling my fancy a little bit is Christian Petrarca, um, who had had a really poor middle half of the season, um, but since round sixteen has been going ballistic. Yeah, that one eighty nine against the Crows, ninety one against Long, one forty one against Port, 
81 against the Bulldogs and then 134 on the weekend against Freo. So consistency is not really his strength, but you're getting him for the ceiling. Um, they've got a pretty decent run. Oh, they've got a tough run home, actually, Melbourne. They've got uh, Collingwood, Carlton and Brisbane. But I don't know what's happened. There's something changed in that Melbourne midfield spice, that, that mix. Um, they changed something there, and he is one of the beneficiaries. So I like the look of him too. Um, Noah Anderson, Chad Warner, any of those guys? No, not really. I mean, we saw what happened to Chad Warner throughout the week. It wasn't pretty. Um, and then he, uh, to top things off, he got tagged on the weekend um, for just a... 69. Uh, 69, yeah. So, look, before that, he was in some great form. But maybe now that teams um, have seen what happens, um, if you tag him, it actually works. He's not as productive uh, I don't know. Maybe that's something to look out for in, in the next few weeks. He plays North Melbourne. Um, Kane Turner could potentially tag him. Collingwood won't tag. Uh, but then St Kilda, Marcus Winhager could probably tag him as well. True. Yeah, I think Merritt is the obvious answer there if you don't have him. Um, Ruck line, I think this is a pretty obvious answer, right? It's Rowan Marshall. If you don't have yeah. Rowan Marshall, yeah. he's got to be the one you've got to get in. Yeah, there's no one else really. Um, oh, you could go Gorn. Yeah. yeah. Could go Gorn, but Rowan Marshall... Um, I think for the price, price, yeah, I think for the price, Marshall um, Marshall is just too too much to pass up. I mean, he's 480K. Um, and yeah. the player that can put out 173s that's at 480K is uh, it's pretty spicy. Um, last one, and this is probably the hardest one, is if you're looking to make an upgrade in the forward line, you're looking to get rid of one of these guys that we've spoken about a little bit, if it's Tim English, if it's Cornelio, if it's Will Brody. Um, yeah, who are you looking for uh, in the forward line? Yeah, well, I think most people have the bond, so I'll rule him out. Um, that's a given pretty much, but my favorite pick, I don't know. I think it's Connor Rosie. I, I really agree. do. I agree. Yeah. It's kind of, it, the answer is Connor Rosie. It's simple. Yeah, it's very simple. And you're still getting him at a pod percentage. He's at 5.1%. Yeah. Um, like he has been sensational really since round 14 when he, he firmly moved into the midfield prior to that, it had been a bit up and down. He'd be in for one week out for the next. Um, but when Zach Butters went down with injury, Rosie was his immediate replacement. He took up all his midfield minutes. He was getting some really good CBAs throughout the game. Um, and he's only scored in his last four games, he's only scored under 116 once, um, including yep. a massive 154 against GWS. He looks great. And he plays Richmond, Essendon and Adelaide in his next three games, which is just about as good a run as you're probably ever going to get. I, yeah, could not agree more. I think Rosie is the obvious choice there. He's, his lowest score since round 11 is a 76 against Richmond. Um, yeah, he's had a 154 in that time. He's barely dropped below 100. Um, he, he's he's really breaking out in a big way. Port of found one there. Um, I think there was, yeah, the, the Walsh-Rosie discussion is back on the table. Would you believe it? It's back. Um, yeah. Some other, some other options, Dylan Moore at a 69 on the weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been burnt by him. I'm not going anywhere near him. Kitty Coleman, yeah. who we've spoken about. Tom Papley is an interesting one, and he only had a 77 on the weekend. Um, but he's been getting some serious midfield minutes. Uh, and prior to that, he'd gone 128, 106, 127. So he's one to keep an eye on. I probably wouldn't do it. They do play North this week, though. Um, mm. So that's an interesting one. Shea Bolton is always around the mark. I've already spoken about Himmelberg a lot. Yeah, I think I think Rosie is the obvious answer there. Um, last of our big topics, I just want to find a really quick rundown from you about who who did what in the in the State League. Um, uh, yeah, any information you've got on any players sort of potentially coming back from injury uh, or how they went in the VFL or SNFL would be much appreciated. What do you got for me? All right. Um, I will start with Gold Coast. 
Okay, probably not as relevant, but Braden Fiorini had 35 touches, two marks, eight tackles, two goals. Um, he dominated. James Sitas was also relatively good. He had 22 touches, three marks, five tackles, and kicked a goal. Um, Braden Pruce in the ones did a very Prucey thing. I think he actually managed to avoid um, suspension. I he think did, the tribe- he did, yeah. Yeah, they they didn't they didn't rule that Got anything. Two thousand dollar fine. Okay, so Kieran Briggs and the twos had eleven, uh, sorry, seventeen touches, three marks, three tackles, and twenty one hitouts. He could come back in potentially. Um, Justin Clark was very quiet though. If you're still holding on to him, he only had the seven touches. Um, Matty Roberts played a great game for the Swans. He had twenty three touches. Three marks, seven tackles. Um, Lockie Hunter just keeps ticking along in the twos. Uh, yeah. I probably can't see him coming back in, I wouldn't think. Um, but he had 24 touches, eight marks, and four tackles. So he was solid. There's not really anyone that's that's really knocking the door down, I don't think. Um, Jake Bowie from Melbourne had 27 touches, five marks, three tackles. But... Yeah, it just it doesn't it doesn't seem like Oh sorry, I, I completely skipped over Brody Grundy. He had six kicks, five handballs, no marks, um, but nine tackles and twenty one hitouts in three quarters of footy. So that's pretty solid. Um and we've already chatted that he could come back in. Jimmy Tunstall actually had twenty nine touches um to go along with his six marks and three tackles. But that's about it, um from yeah. from all the I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Okay, well, we've got a little bit to chew on there. The Brody Grundy one is probably the big news to wait on if you're a Darcy Cameron owner. Um, but if you like a punt, make sure you check out topsport, top, topsport.com.au. They're the home of the best same-game multi in the business where the odds actually add up. And we will be previewing their markets throughout this season, um, and we've enjoyed it immensely doing so. Um, use the code SC Playbook if you're leaking up their, your account so they know we sent you. It helps out the podcast. 18 plus only, gamble responsibly. So, Charlie, what have you what have you got for me this week when it comes to, to top sport markets? Well, I'm just trying to remember what I did last week. I can't remember if I got a winner or not. I, I feel like I was close, but no, I don't think I don't think I did. However, for this week, I really like the Bulldogs at home against Frio. One to thirty nine. That's paying two fifteen. I think the Bulldogs are still alive for, for top eight. They're just holding on. They need a win here. Um, they'll be doing everything they can to get one. I like that. And then I like Brisbane um, against Carlton on the Sunday um, at the Gabba yeah. as well. Uh, it'll be a close game for sure, but I think Brisbane are just miles ahead of Carlton at the moment. Take that one to 39 as well. And if you wrap that up um, for 451, I think that provides some pretty good value. Yeah, I like it. Um, I'm going a bit outside the box here uh, because I was having a look through Top Sport earlier and I noticed that you can bet on the SANFL on Top Sport. Um, mm. And I really, really like the Adelaide Crows at $4.20 to win the SANFL Premiership. Um, the Crows yeah. are in some really good form of late. They've had, um, they've, they play some really good footy, obviously, because they've got a lot of, uh, a lot of Crows boys in the, in the mix. Uh, they're sitting third. They're 10 and 5. They're only one loss behind North Adelaide and Glenelg, who are at the top of the SNFL ladder. Um, they're going to be they're going to get stronger as the Crows season finishes because, obviously, they're going to get a few of those Crows guys back into the team who are eligible to play. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on the uh, the SNFL Crows to, to break the 
break the uh, associated club duck in the SNFL and, and win a flag for the Crows. So what do you think of that one? I don't mind it, actually, yeah. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a big Sandful fan, I'll be honest. I never have been. Um, but I do love my double blues, so I'm, I'll be wishing that they get up there or around the yeah. mark, hopefully. Yeah, they've won three of their last four, so they're in the mix. Norwood, um, our local team back home, have won six in a row. So you can never count them out. They're always around the mark, it seems. Uh, South Adelaide kind of dropping off. But yeah, I, like, I think Crows at 420 is, is good value. Um, now, Charlie, yeah, we've, we've, we've got a, had a price drop for our subscription to the SC Playbook um, podcast and the site. So if you're after premium content, sign up to SC Playbook for $20, which gets you our entire content library for the 2022 AFL season or $40 for the full package covering AFL, NRL, and BBL. That gives you access to stacks of extra articles every week of the preseason um, and in-season, entry into our exclusive WhatsApp group, um, and heaps, heaps more. But if you're not interested in that, don't worry. We've got a a heap of free content on the site to get through. So visit scplaybook.com.au for expert content and follow our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter social handles at scplaybookAFL. Now, Charlie, plans for this week. Um, Trades, not really relevant to you, obviously. You're out of trades. Uh, but what are you thinking when it comes to captains and vice captains this week? Yeah, um, I haven't thought about it too much, but I, I had a really good last week last week with Laird, vice captain, um, and then Took was going to be my captain anyway, but I, I did take Laird as the VC, so that worked well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like, I really like Clad Oliver versus Collingwood. Um, I don't have him, but for those that do, I think he's probably a really good option. Um I would also really like to have Tom Mitchell against the Suns. Um, Ooh, yeah. I know he's been up and down, but he, he looks like the past three weeks he's been back in that midfield, um, which is really good to see. In terms of my team, though, I think it's pretty hard to go past the Bont against Frio. Um, okay. I don't mind that. He's coming off a 149 against them the last time he played them. Um, so that's a really good sign. But Rory Laird against West Coast is... Probably the number that's one option. I think. That's yeah, a lot. That's a lot. Um, yeah, I think I think this this actually is one of the the easiest vice captain and captain rounds we've had recently. We've got um, Tuke up against Hawthorne um, in Tassie, mm. and then we've got Rory Laird up against West Coast at Optus Stadium. Uh, so I think you, you can't really go past those as the vice captain and captain options, can you? Oh, well, I am worried about Tuke though, um, and Finn McGuinness. That's all. That's okay. all I'll say. Yeah, well, I just, I think, what's Finn? What's Finn McGinnis been doing? What are who are his scouts? Well, he, he's kind of finding his feet at AFL level, which is um, good to see. Um, he hasn't, you know, really set the world alight in the past two years that he's been on the list. Um, he's a father son product, I think. Um, but no, now now he's um, yeah, he's really coming into his own. He tagged Jack Sinclair last week for a half, I think, and then he went to Brad Crouch, I reckon. Um, yeah. And he, he did well on Jack Sinclair up until three quarter time, uh, but yeah, then then Sinclair exploded without the tag. But before that, um, oh, he's tagged some pretty noticeable players. Um, I don't really have them off the top of my head to be honest. <laughs> but he had, he had done a, a really good job um, okay. in previous. Yeah, so and he matches up well with Tuke Miller. Um, they're both gut runners. They'll be running all day. It's uh. Yeah, it could happen. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it will happen. Um, it's just a, a question of whether Toot can outrun it. Okay, interesting. So you'd, you'd be actually considering Oliver on Friday night instead of Toot on Saturday afternoon? 
Yeah, well, probably. Oh, for me specifically, I'll probably look at McRae or Bont um, against Frio, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I love it. Um, I Yeah, I'm going with Took into Laird. I'm not going to overthink it too much. I think Laird is a, is a guaranteed 130-plus on Sunday. I, I say that touching wood, but I don't really see a way which he doesn't chop up the Eagles, so that should be good to watch. Um, we've got two little listener questions to get through, Charlie, before we wrap things up. Um, as always, we put up a social post on Sunday asking for any of your questions about about anything Supercoach related or any really anything related. Um, but yeah, if you want to get involved in that, keep an eye on our socials on Sunday nights. Uh, I've got two really good questions come through this week. The first one is from Scott, who asks, if you're in a head-to-head cash league final and you had the option of either bringing in a guy your opponent already has or a pod, what would you do? Yeah, so this actually is that that this applies to me heaps well because um, I'm not I somehow didn't make the finals in our uh, SC Playbook Contributors League, but I am in the finals in my other leagues. And what I always like to do is is I use the Super Coach um, Plus feature where you can see your projected score. You can match that up with your opponents. Um, if it looks like I'm I'm comfortably ahead and I I still have trades to make. Um, I probably won't bring in a pod. I just think the the risk far outweighs the uh, the benefit there. But look, if you need to make some ground and and you're probably fifty points short in your projected score, why not have some fun with it? Bring in bring in an Uber pod. Bring in a you know a player owned by less than two percent of the comp. Um, see what they can do for for you. Uh, I you know it's it's just all dependent on on the individual matchups in in the. Uh, in the matchup that you have, sorry. So yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be bringing, be bringing in someone similar uh, if I'm losing the game. But if it looks like I'm going to win, I'll just play it safe. I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that's a good analysis. Like you got to look at your projected score. If you're behind, you're going to need to do something a little bit wild to to get that edge. Um, yeah, I think that was a, a good little rundown. The last question we've got comes from Darren, um, who wants to know who is one lock in your starting team next season. Mm. It's a tricky one, but I think I think it's gone for me. Um, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Luke Jackson um, in the trade period, whether he goes to Fremantle or goes to West Coast. But I I, I think if he does go, um, that makes gone an immediate must-have. I reckon. Mm, that's a good call. It's a really good call. If Jack, if you don't have to worry about the threat of Jackson. Then yeah, Gorn. Yeah. It's hard to go past Gorn, isn't it? Um, that was my worry in not picking Gorn earlier this season. Was all about what Jackson would do to him. Um, yeah, once that goes, that that does make him a really attractive option. Um, I'm I've gone pretty bombers centric for this question, just because I think we've got a good little young core. So I think it, top of my list for potential picks next season is, is Redmond in the, in defence. Um, I don't see why he doesn't continue this form next season. He's been excellent. He's only going to get better. Um, or Archie Perkins, who was a little bit of a pod option mm. earlier this season. Uh, and who I think will continue to get more midfield time and, and might be a bargain bargain basement option in the forward line. So hopefully that answers your question, Darren. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of options next season. I can't wait to get into it already. Uh, Charlie, thank you for joining me this morning to chat all things Supercoach. Um, go rest up. Go get your uni assignments done. Uh, we'll speak yeah, to you soon. Thanks, might have a nap. Thank you. <laughs> Love it. All right, speak to you soon. Bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 